Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Blessings to all of you out there in this balmy, wonderful, below zero weather in North Dakota. Why not North Dakota? Father David Richter and myself, Lori Leffer, we're coming to you from St. John the Apostle Church in Minot, North Dakota. And uh, we are looking at frigid weather out there. I hope yeah. all of you are somewhere where it's just a little bit warmer. Yeah. But we do have a great show this morning, Father. Yes. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Yes, it's cold out there. Yes, we're going to try to warm everybody up. We're going to try to hit their... Uh, spiritual side of everything here and feed some food that gives us some warmth and lights us up and reflect that shiningness of God. And that's the plan. Yes, um, it is. We'll, we'll, we'll do our part and trust that God does what we can't do. So Exactly. And we have a lineup of guests today. We have uh, Father Greg Luger from Williston over at St. Joseph's there. He's going to be joining us. And everyone out there, we are going to be speaking about taking an hour for God. How can we do that? We are so busy in this life, or so we say. And then we have a lineup of coming after that, uh, some things that we're going to banter about. So I hope everyone has their ears on of, you know, there's this thing out there that we call Bible study. But what if it's approached a little bit different and we take that word study out? We have the Bible. What, what does that mean to us? We're going to look at that. Mm. And, and what, could it, what it can do for us that would make us a better gift and vessel and have warmth to ourselves, to our life. Absolutely. Yeah, and Absolutely. this is a good week to be doing this. Uh, we've got Monsignor Douglas Grams from the Diocese of New Ulm coming to us. Um, we are going to be talking about a saint, a wonderful saint. Yeah. I'm not going to reveal who. You're going to have to stay <laughs> tuned in. But he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life, and he's done a lot for all of us Absolutely. to bring us to the point where we are at today, Father David. Uh, then we're going to speak with Father Nate Brunn from the Diocese of Crookston. And that is going to be talking uh, to students, college students mm. in particular. Yeah. So stay tuned there because we're yeah. going to have some food for thought for all of you out there, especially the youth. Um, Absolutely. And this has been a tough year, Father, for those uh, on campus that are especially freshmen. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah the spiritual... Uh, um, opportunities on the college campus is much in need is especially this year but um is even before covid hit um, yeah the the educational system has been inundated with some uh, faulty uh, um ideas. philosophies and ideas and yeah. and so uh, uh, the the great need and opportunity for campus ministry is a vital topic. Very, very vital. Well, good morning, Father Luger. How are you? 
I am doing well. Wonderful. Um, so uh, how is it over there in Wilson? Are you uh, balmy negative 16 below? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is quite cold here. <laughs> and, and that sunrise that is so beautiful this morning, I still can't quite get the heat from it. Can you? <laughs> no, we can't get it up here either. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about this topic, an hour for God. Maybe that can shine some heat and light on it so that we can be all warmed up and, and just glowing start somebody else on fire. What do you think, Father David and Father Luger? Sounds excellent. Okay. So, Father David, why why don't you start us out? What what do you think? Taking an hour for God. Are you, I know, now, all of you priests are um, highly suggested to make an hour with God pretty much every day. Yes. So how do you do that? You guys are busy. You've got teaching to do and you've got weddings and funerals and people that are help 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 yeah well the 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 simple answer is is um usually we find time for what's priority to us but uh i like another saying i remember um at one of our uh lectures or or conferences that a priest said he said um if it's that important to do it's it's important even if you do it poorly so sometimes i do it poorly yes. <laughs> but um the, the attempt is the attempt is and the desire is there to do it and uh when things are going well and it's a priority and it's usually the first thing um i told somebody the other uh the other day i said uh I know I'm quite certain that I spend an hour in my chapel, but I, it would be stretching it to say that I spend an hour of intense prayer in the chapel. Uh, but um, one of the things in Mark's gospel, it, it's just to be with Jesus is is most important, to be with him physically. Uh, so, uh, but the, the, for others that don't have a chapel in their house or right next door, like I do, um, it requires some planning, some commitment and some priority. And, and, and the best way that that happens is, is falling in love with the Lord and wanting to be with him. So that's the first step. Is, is to really beg to fall in love with the Lord and to want to be with Him. And if we want to be with Him, we usually find a way to do it. Yeah. Now, Father Greg, um, over at St. Joseph's in Williston there, um, you guys have, is it only Wednesday or is it other times during the week, this thing that's called Eucharistic Adoration? And, and how many hours does your parish set aside for that? Yeah, so here at St. Joseph's, we actually have uh, adoration Monday through Friday. Um, the adoration schedule varies a little bit. Um, most days it's from noon to 10 p.m., although there's uh, at, at, on Fridays it's done at 4, and then on Mondays it doesn't start until 3. Um, yeah, so we have several hours throughout the weekdays uh, that are available at this parish. And then we also try and do just a little bit of adoration at our two mission parishes, uh, St. John the Baptist in Trenton and St. Boniface in Gondora. Um, you, you know, we do 
adoration for uh, you know, on the first Sunday of the month, even if, if even if it's just for ten minutes, um, Father Kova truly wants uh, the people to at least have some experience of Eucharistic adoration, even if it's just for a short time, uh, to get them exposed to that. And so, Father uh, Greg, like Father David was talking and saying, you know, to get to know God. Um, and and fa- and and you said for Father Kovash, uh, he he says how important it is. How important is it to work into this Eucharistic adoration? What does it do for us? Can it, okay, we're on radio, so can you give us a description of what it is that people come to when we 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 come to this place that is set aside to have time for God? Right. So, obviously, um, in Eucharistic adoration, we have uh, the Blessed Sacrament exposed in the monstrance. And so, we really have our Lord, you know, displayed for us in a particular way. If I'm not mistaken, um, and I believe the word monstrance comes from the Latin word to show. Um, maybe you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong on that or not, Father Richter. But anyway, um, yeah. but... You know, the Eucharist is being shown to us and presented to us, and we're invited to have this really just quiet time of prayer with the Lord. You know, I'm really brought back to a quote that I encountered when I was at Broom Tree Retreat Center down in South Dakota. Um, in one of their chapels down there, they have written on the altar, uh, In the Silence God Speaks. Um, yes. And this harkens back, I think, uh, to to the prophet Elijah, actually, where Elijah was told that the Lord will be passing by. And, you know, he encounters a great fire, but God was not in the fire. Then there was an earthquake, and God was, but God was not in the earthquake. And then, you know, there was a great wind, and God was not in the wind. And then finally, finally there was a tiny whispering sound, and Elijah covered his face, for he knew that that was the Lord. And that tiny whispering voice is what we encounter when we go to Eucharistic adoration. And so it's within adoration that we're able to encounter the Lord in that most intimate place in the silence uh, in our parishes. Yes. I I believe you're exactly correct about monstrance, uh, um, Father Luger. that that it is the sh- uh, to show um, to reveal, and it's revealing uh, the 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 earthly presence of God in the Eucharist for us to adore, to speak to, to look at, to be looked at and loved by Him, and 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 so um, the importance of that. I, I I don't think I know of any couples that don't have pictures of each other or of their children set around their house to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not to worship the pictures, but to remind one's heart of who they love and who they want to be with. And uh, so adoration is this, this being with the Lord. Once again, I, this year is the year of Mark's gospel. 
And, oh, yes. and one of the stresses, one of the things of discipleship, the first thing is to be with Jesus. The reading for today speaks about the, his mother and brethren that are looking for him and want to get in to be with him. Uh, and, and so adoration is not this magic, but this encounter. And it's availing ourselves as the Lord's availing himself to us. Uh, so um, what you said, Father Greg, is perfect uh, about this, this, this need for us to have quiet time to let the Lord speak to our hearts, to console us, to assure us like a, a good father or a good mother, come to me, it'll be okay. I'm here uh, to find that consolation with him. Uh, so uh, I think adoration chapels have grown since I've been a priest 20 years. Um, and I know the younger priests and seminarians get good formation. Um, what, did, what did you get about this during seminary, Father Greg? What, how, how was that held? How was adoration a part of your seminary life and formation? Yeah, so it was it was vital. Um, first of all, uh, we were required to do a daily holy hour uh, throughout all of my seminary formation, and this was across different seminaries too. And you know, it wasn't just at one seminary; it was at multiple seminaries. Um, where, you know, for the first my first four years, uh, we had a a daily holy hour that was scheduled. Um, you know. It was, you know, when I first uh, showed up at St. John Vianney College Seminary, I had to be in the chapel for adoration at 6 a.m. Um, I like to say that I was often doing a St. Joseph devotion during those hours. As you know, that uh, the angel spoke to Joseph in dreams. Uh, <laughs> yeah, during his sleep, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, you know, going... You know, then going further for after that, um, as, a, as of my second year of theology in major seminary, um, the seminary just expected me to do a daily holy hour. You know, it didn't have to be during adoration. It just had to be before the Blessed Sacrament rather than adoration, or even if our Lord was reposed in the tabernacle. But that, of course, was expected um, by the seminary as an absolute requirement to make sure that we are nourishing the spiritual life. Excellent. Yeah, that's great to have that formation and form that habit before you're ordained. Um, we're we're going to be taking a break here, Father Luger, so we'll pick up on this after we have our break um, and talk more about adoration. And I'd like you to share a few things uh, of, of what's restricted with exposition and adoration and why Jesus isn't exposed constantly in every church. Uh, so when we get back from break, uh, we'll, we'll go over some of those things if you're willing to do that for us. Absolutely. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Father uh, Greg and Father David and everyone out there in listening land. Uh, tune in to Real Presence Radio. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. For more than 20 years, the University of Mary has watched students thrive through affordable, flexible, and formative online education programs. Now, we are delighted to announce the expansion of these offerings with the robust portfolio of advanced education options created intentionally for the Catholic working professional. Our programs offer accelerated formats with classes beginning every five weeks throughout the year and the potential for a return on your investment in the very first year. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning, everyone out there in Real Presence listening land. We are coming to you from Minot, North Dakota, St. John Apostle Church, and we are warming up your day. If you are joining us today, um, it is negative below, and I won't even say the number because it's it's just cold, frigid cold, and uh, we're warming you up speaking about setting aside time for God. Do we have an hour that we can spend with God? Well, we're talking about it. And if you're young or you're that growing youth, and uh, we've got Father Greg Luger with us from Williston. How how are you over there, Father? I'm doing well. Okay. Well, why don't you continue with us? Um, we were uh, talking about the monstrance and um, uh, the exposing of it or not being exposed from the tab- tabernacle the repose of it. Um, can you uh, continue with that? Yeah, so of course, um, yeah, the Eucharist, in Eucharistic, well, in Eucharistic adoration is really brought before us to really just to show um, to us our Lord's earthly presence in the most holy Eucharist. And it's the Church's really beautiful way of really kind of putting an exclamation point in many ways on what the Eucharist really is, especially when you go, you know, when you attend the 
the rite of Eucharistic exposition and uh, benediction, where we see that you know the priest comes out and you're, you're you chant the salutaris and we're using incense. You know, it really just shows you know the greatness of what we really have been given, and we're called to fall on our knees before that great mystery and adore the Lord who has so humbled Himself uh, to be present with us in the sacred house. Yes. So, um, you know, we're going to be coming up on um, Lent, Easter here, and Jesus in the Gethsemane, of, uh, when he's out there in the garden, and the apostles are with him, and they're falling asleep, and he's praying, and he says to them, can you not spend an hour with me in prayer? And is this where this comes from, Father David and Father Greg? Do, is that... Is that kind of a root for us, for Eucharistic adoration, or can lead us in a direction here, Father Dean? <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 from my perspective, um, Eucharistic adoration started later in the church um, as we know it now. Um, the adoration uh, initially was at the Eucharist where they they said they would read the scriptures as long as time permitted. Um, so it wasn't like uh, 45 minutes or an hour and we're done. It might have been four hours where they together listened and learned and then uh, 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 adored as they, they consumed Jesus in the Eucharist. And then as time went on, as it became more formal as a church, um, and where there's the routine and the numbers, it wasn't a small gathering, a small community. Um, there, there became this, this drawing need in saints, the Lord appearing to them, calling them to his heart. And it just, I think, progressed. I can't say I know precisely when it became very commonplace. And maybe Father Greg uh, knows more than me. I think it's more than maybe. I think I, I suspect he knows a lot more than me on this. Uh, that 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 this this is a part. And, and as he said earlier, that we can adore the Lord in the tabernacle as well. It's not just in exposition, but that is the premier intimate encounter with him. And so I know John Paul II, St. John Paul II, promoted it greatly, the need to be in the presence of the Lord, to be loved. St. John Vianney in France, in, in his community, Eucharistic adoration was huge in transforming the hearts of his people. Uh, so that's the little bit I know and, and would lay out, but certainly today we go back to that calling in the Garden of Gethsemane. Can't you just stay and pray for one hour? Um, and so that gets referred a lot. Uh, I know I've done it <laughs> as I've established adoration chapels at the parishes I've been assigned to. Um, and and uh, so that is certainly uh, uh, key words of Jesus just one hour. Can you not spend one hour with me? So I don't think um, that's considered the start of adoration, but it sure certainly fits well yes, with adoration. So mm -hmm. Father Gregory, now we'll, we'll get the, the, the more knowledgeable uh, uh, commentary on what you know. 
Yeah. So you know, to you know, to go off of what you just said about you know the the development development of Eucharistic adoration. Um, yeah, it was not present as a regular practice um, in the early church. Uh, my understanding is that you know the Eucharist, of course, was reserved within churches because obviously, you know, at the end of Mass, we have you still have these consecrated hosts. You can't just throw, throw them away because that's the body of our Lord, etc. Also, you know, they would be reserved for. Uh, at least primarily for the purpose of later distributing communion to the sick who couldn't come to Mass. So naturally, you just had the Eucharist sitting in these tabernacles in these churches. Well, what's the natural natural gravitation of of devout souls? Well, my, the body of my Lord is within this tabernacle. I'm going to go pray in front of it. And so, you know, this time of, like, Eucharistic, Eucharistic adoration from what I understand, began to develop with people praying before the tabernacle, and the Church basically started to say, well, maybe there's a, kind of a, maybe there's a way that we can, you know, promote this and enshrine this more, and because we see the great spiritual benefit that is occurring among the people by spending, by spending this time um, in front of the Eucharist. At least that's been my, my general understanding of how Eucharistic Eucharistic adoration began to develop, and then, of course, over time, the monstrance was developed, and it was like, well, since we brought the Lord out, we're going we're gonna to incense Him. Mm-hmm. And then we have, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, writing the Salutari, and, you know, the Eucharistic miracle of Orvieto, which also really uh, contributed to Eucharistic adoration. And so we have these various historical events that really contributed to this to this development of what we now know today. So, um, Father uh, Greg, we we can't leave Jesus alone. Now, um, as a mother, uh, I would come. Well, when I was younger, I mean, I we were a devout Catholic family, so I was exposed when I was young to what adoration was, and you know, it was painful for me. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when I got to be a teenager, I'm like, really? I have so many more things I want to do. <laughs> but, you know, that that instilled in me when I got older and I realized, you know what? This is precious time. But we can't leave Jesus alone. And as a mother, when I found that I desired that time that I really wanted to come to Jesus, to God, and lay everything that was going on in my day at his feet, just like coming to my mom and saying, "Um, Mom, I have all this going on. Take it away from me. I also would bring my children and um, taught them, and they still remember to this day, yeah, Mom, we had to be good, and we had to be with Jesus for like at least 10 minutes so we could go watch cartoons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they were holy cartoons because they were on at the same time. And so we had a family room, and my children were allowed to go and watch that and do that while I finished my adoration with Jesus in private. But we can't leave him alone. Why? Yeah, so a couple things with that. Um, on the one hand, um, it's it's practical in that, you know, the Eucharist is literally the most holy, sacred, and precious thing on the face of this earth. And so, 
the Eucharist as such, you know, must be guarded diligently, you know, so that there is no danger of profanation. Um, Because there can be danger of somebody stealing the Eucharist with, uh, with the intent of desecrating it, which is why, you know, the... The tabernacle key, the church says, needs to be needs to be guarded, um, so yeah. that you know, just any old buddy can't come in and just unlock the tabernacle tabernacle and take a host out, and you know, possibly do nefarious things with it. Well, the same principle applies to adoration because we do have our Lord exposed, and so we do need somebody who's there to really guard it, if you will. But also, I think there's a sense of reverence as well. You know, I mean, you know, the king has come into your presence. Um, you know, you don't you don't leave him there waiting, if you will. Um, right. So, our Lord is exposed, and just out of reverence, he must be adored by at least one person, preferably two, actually. You know, yeah. I know at least in our diocese, that has been one thing that Bishop Kagan has asked. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, is that at least two people would be present during a period of adoration? Um, and my yes. understanding, and you probably have more experience in in this realm, Father Richter, would his intent being, you know, if somebody is sick, then you're not right. scrambling to find somebody, but you Absolutely. at least have another person. You know, at least that's my, yep. been my understanding of yep. the bishop's directive. Yep. If you're going to have an adoration chapel, which we do here, you are to schedule at least two people for each hour. That means that if one can't come, they make sure the other one's there. And if they're both there, if one, yeah, if natural human need, they need to leave, they're not leaving Jesus alone. So it's always when you establish a chapel where you have perpetual or, you know, 10 hours that you would have at least scheduled two people so that, yeah, he's never left alone. And, and as you, you mentioned about the tabernacle, so we, we leave the tabernacle alone, but it's locked up and there's a lighted candle to always show the sign of, of him present and the reverence that we have for him and the honor we have for him. Yes. So, Well, we're coming up on uh, our break here. So everybody out there in listening land, um, we thank you, Father Greg Luger, for joining us. Uh, Father David Richter and myself, Lori Leffer, we will be right back. And we are going to continue feeding you, but with a very long love letter that continues. So stay tuned. Thanks, Father Greg. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Live. Engaging and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 